Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you, and welcome to Mother's Day weekend. And how is your plant world doing? Well, if you'd like to talk about it, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. James is producing today, so he will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name, and he'll put your name up on the screen, and then I will take first come, first serve. Yes, Saturday mornings, where there will be a good gardening stroll. and uh, But before that, no, after that, we'll be discussing your trees, perennials, what's going on on that uh, low spot in your yard. The water just sits and sits and sits. Is it a mosquito haven? How about shrubs, ground covers, or anything planted in your outdoors? Or maybe you want me to step inside with you and take a look at your house plants and what's going on with them. Should you be doing any kind of pruning right now? Uh, is there insect troubles? Yes, maybe. Well, uh just give us a call. Suspicious growth or spots, transplanting, suckering growth coming off the base of your trunks on your trees, uh, taking cuttings and trying to get them to brute. Well, I'll share my knowledge and hopefully it will enable you to decide which is the best direction to go and uh, which this is your show. And I certainly appreciate you having me and hearing about your plant world. Very important players, I said before, is James. He's producing. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides a Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and to your plant world, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the home page, there's my email address and phone number. Today, after the show, I'm headed out to Baldwin. That would be Baldwin south of Manchester Road, so 63021 rather than 63011. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Very close to where we are in the uh, building where Camwex is at Tucker between Market and Chestnut. There's a civil courts building, and the planners along Tucker already are erupting with elephant ears, four leaves on those. They've got some cannas. Cannas probably uh, 
maybe almost two feet high. There's also some lantana. There are some uh, petunias. There's some sweet potato vines, and there's other things in those planters as well. In this courtyard, not a courtyard, in this plaza, there's three flagpoles. One of them has a plaque honoring, or honoring Spanish War veterans, and it has the date on it, M-C-M-X-X-X-I-V. I don't know what year that is. Hmm, maybe you could tell me. Again, M-C-M-X-X-X-I-V. And there's another statue that honors uh, police officers who's given their lives in the performance of duty. The list goes all the way back to 1863 and ending, I guess, the last police officer killed in duty uh, in the St. Louis area was uh, in 2020. And uh, there's also this area is uh, enclosed by a neat wrought iron fence and small leaf boxwood as well. Plants, there's all kinds of cutouts in this plaza area. And blooming wygelia, there's some white flowering wild carrots. So I don't think those were planted. I don't know how they got there unless birds brought them in. Numerous trees, ornamental grasses, more boxwood, lots of benches, and a sign reminds no bicycling or skateboarding in the plaza. The sun was highlighting the arch as I went around the side of the building to go around the back. Birds were singing Welcome to Mother's Day Weekend 2023. And around the building, 211th, finds lawn, roses, trees, and a statue honoring St. Louis Freedom Suit plaintiffs, plaintiffs from 1814 to 1816. So there's lots of different things honoring various people throughout the entire metropolitan area and the history of St. Louis as well. So if you do have any questions or concerns, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Yes, folks, to the phones we go, and let's start the day off at Jesse's Yard. Hi, Jesse. Hi, um, I've got two questions. Um, the first one, last year I bought some tulips from Sam's Club, put them in front of my house, and when I planted them, there was like five varieties this year. When they came up in the spring, they all did wonderful, except there's one variety that they came up with the, the what was going to be the tulip, but they never turned color and they never opened up. And I'm like, what's the heck that all about? And the second one is I've had a peony bush bush for many years and it was starting off with it's gotten bigger and larger and it used to be a night nice light pink color but over the years it's became white with a little blush only at towards the center of the flower so this year the blooms are gorgeous but what happened to the pink is it a soil issue and what i need to do about that um i'm in my car sitting in a parking lot, so I'm going to probably have to hang up so I can listen to your responses, please. Sure. Thank you very much for what you do. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Yeah, related to the tulips, it's uh, you never really know. It doesn't matter where you buy them or anything else. They've been hybridized extremely, let's say, over time, because there can be tulips in neighborhoods that have been blooming well, nicely, for 20-plus years. 
But if you've purchased uh, any kind of tulips within the last 10 years or so, since they've been hybridized to make massive numbers available, uh, it kind of takes the longevity away. And then it slowly but surely makes it so you're not going to get any flowers at all or they're not going to work. So the one that didn't work this year, next year, it's not going to work either. So just, you know, anticipate that. And with your peony, you know, over time they can sort of, and it's not related to necessarily soil acidity or alkalinity or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of reverting back to what it originally was. And uh, that, again, you know, plant people have made, you know, hybridization something to give sparkling colors and this and that and everything else. But sometimes they, you know, have a tendency to kind of revert back, and that's what this peony is doing. So thank you very much, Jesse. And now let's go over to Mary's. Hi, Mary. How are you Good today? morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, hi. We have a problem with the squirrels sharpening their teeth on the top of our wooden privacy fence. And I was hoping that maybe you or someone in your listening audience would know of a solution or product I could use to keep that from happening. Ooh, that could be a tough one. I can't think of anything, you know, myself uh, that uh, what you might do is you could go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they say about it. Okay. Or also you might uh, try calling Scott Mosby in the Home Improvement Show and see if he could have a recommendation for that. Oh, great idea. Thank you. Yeah, but when you've got a huge fence like that and your squirrels are chewing on this particular, you know, thing, I don't don't know what kind of barrier you could put on it or anything else, but uh, maybe out of those two options, you're going to get an answer. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, and I love your show. Well, thank you. And now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, I got a question about uh, broadleaf weed killers. Uh, I was wondering if it's safe to put around smaller shrub, woody shrubs and trees and so forth. Well, or yeah, they they should be okay. Just don't get it on the foliage of the yeah, plants. Yeah. Okay. So so the stems, so they're foliage absorbed, kind of like Roundup. Yeah, with pretty much anything. That's the herbicide. That's how they get inside. They generally do not go inside, let's say, woody stems or trunks or anything else. Oh, that's, okay. That's just not how they, you know, they function or work. And it doesn't, it doesn't make the soil toxic then, as far as the roots and such. No, they, it should be. I mean, obviously, read the label, uh, but there shouldn't yeah. be any residual left over from, uh, you know let's say, whatever you're trying to get rid of or kill, even yeah. if you, even as it dies and it sort of like disappears and there, you know there's probably still some leftover roots in the ground, they should be okay. Okay. All right. Okay, great. Thanks. Sure. My pleasure. And Bye. now let's head over to James's yard. Hi, James. Hey, Mike. I love the show. Well, thanks. Mike, I got this in my backyard. I got these stems growing. It looks like seeds on top of it all over my yard and I did a little research on it and I come up with annual. what is that that is actually an annual weed so I mean it's a grassy weed so that's what it is poa is you know means grass and those uh, clusters of seeds on the top of it so what this does is it's a cool season weed it germinates in August 
grows all winter long, and then as the season goes on, depending upon the specific variety, sometimes they go beyond what you would you know what you would assume or how long they would last. But that's probably what it is. Poana, Anna means you know a yearly or a, you know a one season or one year weed, and poa is grass. Okay. Is there anything I can do about that? Well, you can use it. I mean, you can use a grass killer. I've got a bunch of it in my yard, too, and it comes in all kinds of different ways. I mean, if you walk across somebody's yard, you can get it on the bottom of your shoes or you walk through yeah. the park or something like that. You can bring it in that way. I mean, it can come in lots of different ways. That's the unfortunate thing. Does that have anything to do with bluegrass or anything? No. No. I mean, if you've got bluegrass, that doesn't mean you're going to have it or not have it if you have zoysia. Because I have zoysia, and I've got the problem. And it's not yeah. so much in my grass. It is somewhat in my grass, but it's in a lot of my bed spaces. So I'm sure uh-huh. it's coming in lots of different ways, blown in. And then, like I say, what, those seeds are just going to drop, and they'll lay there, you know, until, let's say, August, and then they're going to start germinating or later on in you know, in the fall, they can could continue to germinate, and then they, you know, leave, you know, they live for a period of time, and then they start producing that, uh, you know, the seeds, you know, seed stalks that you're talking about. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I love your show, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, because you can't really use a grass killer on them because if you have it in your lawn, it's going to kill the lawn that's around it. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's it's a tough one. I've never seen this before in my backyard. I mean, it's just all over. Yeah, so maybe in August, think about putting a pre-emergent down, and that's a good way to get rid of these annual weeds. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Mike, thank you very much, first of all, and to KMOX for providing the service for us. Um, I have an issue, a fairly established lawn, um, very thick, it's fescue, and I've developed these patches of light-colored grass that the the organization guy who fertilizes says is orchard grass. And I've tried to figure out a little more about it, and I found some information on the web, but my biggest concern is how do I get rid of it? Do you have any ideas? You know, that's one of those unfortunate things, just like the gentleman I was just talking to, if it's in your lawn, you know, you can't really kill it off because it's going to damage your lawn. So there's not too much you can really do. What you can do is just sort of uh, be careful with a piece of cardboard or something and just spray the area. You're going to have to kill it off. I would not do that this time of year. I would probably wait until we come into August or early September. Kill it off at that time and then... After it dies, then you've got the, the season to put the grass seed down. Well, it seems to be spreading, but it's spreading in clumps. It's not one clump that's getting bigger. It's different little clumps are popping up. Right. And uh, if I knew what was causing that, maybe I could attack it from that perspective. But um, it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any kind, to be honest with you, any lawn here is annoying because of you know our weather and everything else. But what you might do is just go to, again, Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they're going to recommend. Great. Hey, thanks again for your time and most of all your expertise. Sure. And uh, the Botanical Garden website's mobot, M-O-B-O-T, 
mobot.org. Mobot.org. Got it. Thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Uh, Good morning. Two questions. Uh, I've got a, um, um, let's see, a Magic Carpet Spirea. I've got two of them. They were put in by the builder about seven years ago. One of them uh, came out fine this spring. The other one has, oh, I don't know, eight to ten little blooms on top, and most of it is getting green at the bottom. It's it's about uh, 34 inches in diameter and about uh, two feet tall. I guess the only way to do that is just trim it all back. That's pretty much it. A lot of the spireas, we knew that the broadleaf evergreens suffered some real damage due to that cold snap that we had in the fall, this, you know, this previous fall. But also I've noticed, you know, as I walk around and look in people's yards and everything else, some of the spireas and some wygelias too uh, suffered some damage. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing that it had to be related to that cold spell. So they weren't totally shut down yet, and they just got caught by surprise. And the cold, you know, did some, you know, maybe not damage to kill them all entirely, but just uh, did damage to them. Yeah, uh, that was the first question. Again, I've got two of them. One of them has come back, and, and the other one hasn't. Second question is I have some moonbeam. Oh, my God. Corey, Coreopsis. C-O-R-E-O-P-S-I-S. Yes, Coreopsis. Yeah, and that's uh, expanding uh, more than I thought it would. Can I just dig that out? And if I can, is it transplantable? Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, that's some tough stuff. Yeah, and it does. It is, uh, you know, it's a colonizer. So it will colonize and fill in areas and just kind of keep expanding. So that's, you know, digging it up. If you're going to do it, do it pretty quickly because, uh you know, when you transplant anything as we get too far into the season, and especially with the screwy weather we're having, I mean, we're having super hot weather here in May. And uh, so summertime for a new transplant could be a little rough. Okay, yeah, I've been waiting for a good hard rain so I can get out there and dig it up when it's a little easier to dig. But, right. I mean, this last rain we had was the first measurable rain I've had since uh, – Tax day since April the fifteenth. Yeah, know? that's you know same with us. I, it just I mean the ground is just super dry. But what yeah. you might do is if you can live with the coreopsis as it is, ideally a better time to do it would be into in the let's say September October time. All right, thank you, Mike. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go to Polly's yard. Hi, Polly. Oh, Patty. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about irises. Okay. I have lots and lots of green leaves, and some have flowers and others don't. My question is, the ones that aren't producing flowers, will they ever produce flowers, or should I just take them out? They're pretty much shot. Now, there are people that say they've had, you know, that have called into the show that said they've had iris that haven't bloomed for six or seven years and they left the foliage there, and they finally rebloomed. But that's generally not the case. So, again, as I keep talking about hybrids, as things have been hybridized, the longevity factor with the iris, as far as being able to flower, uh, is shortened from uh, historically what the old-time ones were able to do. So that's probably what you're experiencing. Okay. Well, then I've got a big job to do. (laughs) Thank you so much for your information. Sure. My pleasure. (laughs) Have a good day. Bye-bye.
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open and we'll be back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What defines us is who we are as a collective group and, and uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 935 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Some cool music for the Garden Hotline. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. 7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Rich. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Rich. Rich. Oh, I'm sorry. Rich, are you there? Let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, in regards to the lady with the squirrels problem, there's a product that I buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. It's made by Bonide, and it's uh, you take it and you spray it around parts of your yard where you don't want gremlins coming in, and it seems to work pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a it's a bonides repels all type thing, and it it works pretty good at keeping squirrels and rabbits and all sorts of animals away. So uh, I understand it's made with a compound that in some, includes something like uh, box uh, urine, but either way, it seems to work pretty good. Really? Wow, that's great. So uh, I well, mean, you you could actually apply it to a wood fence. Well, yeah, I know you, repellents you usually work on plant material. Yeah, you mix it and you spray it on. Ah. And you might have to do it every two or three months, but uh, it works pretty good. Oh, great. Well, thanks. Thanks for the insight. Thank you. Bye-bye. And let's see, where should we go next? Let's go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. This is Steve, your um, old neighbor. Oh, yes. Hi. Hey, so um, I was calling in about that uh, that same 
problem that the just the last caller called in about the woman who's got squirrels gnawing on her fence. Uh-huh. There, um, there is a um, a website and a company that operates out of the state of Maine, and it's called PredatorP.com, and you know the two words Predator P P E E together. Ah. Um, and uh, they sell all, believe it or not, all sorts of urine that um, is used, can be used for various types of um, animals to deter them. And I actually became familiar with this website because our prior next door neighbors uh, years ago had a problem down there on 12th Street where the, they had an old Saturn. And the squirrels were getting into the um, under under the hood of the car <laughs> and, and chewing the electrical wire. Whoa! And they did thousands of dollars worth of damage to their Saturn that you know they had to pay for rewiring on the car. And they found this product and started using it. And no more squirrel problems. Whoa! So, yeah. So it was. Uh, so I've actually used it as well for all those damn rabbits that we have so i so this may be something uh that that woman could check out predatorp.com i don't you know get any royalties but um it's been you know i i found it to be effective and they basically have got you know different i'm gonna say flavors (laughs) or different flavors for whatever kind of animal you're trying to like you know get rid of so right. maybe that would work for her as well well great well thanks steve and uh okay, j- just yesterday i had my uh sular community garden t-shirt on <laughs> oh yeah did you uh-huh all right that's fabulous the all garden right. is just packed this year all right you know? Great. You know, it's great all right thanks, all right steve. and i'm standing talking to you in sular market right now all so right. <laughs> anyway have a great day and uh, taking calls for everybody. All right, great. Well, let's head over to Rick's. Hi, Rick. Mike. Hey, two quick questions, uh, sir. Uh, number one, if I'm going to plant some annual seeds for just annual flowers, uh, and I want to mulch it, put some bark mulch down around them, can I mulch right after I plant the seeds no. that the flowers would come up through that, or should I wait? Yeah, you should wait until at least they're germinated because... If you put anything on them, even if it's just really like a half inch or something, it could really cause some major problems with the ability of the seed to actually germinate and to be able to survive because they got to get that light as soon as they possibly can. Because the okay. first set of leaves are gonna is not going to look like the leaf that uh, of the plant that you're planting. And okay. uh, that's what the one, you know, they're a little bit larger and they're going to absorb some sun and uh, let them get started before you do any kind of mulching at all. Okay, so then when I plant them, I should just very lightly cover them? Yeah, with, I mean, just kind of tap them down into the ground. Okay. Just and then so- make sure that you water them regularly because if they start to germinate and then they go through a dry spell, that's going to knock them off. Okay. All right, and then wait to mulch until after they've popped up and right. I can see where they're at. Probably, okay. yeah, probably maybe a couple inches tall. And then okay. be, be careful about the type of mulch you're going to use because if it's heavy duty, it could you know do some damage to the you know, stems because they're going to be a little bit fragile. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And my second question is if I've got a very mature uh, Bradford pear and the roots are popping up, uh, it's a little unsightly and hard with the mower, is 
is it going to damage a tree significantly or uh, threaten that tree if I were to cut that root down to where it's under the surface? Yeah, I could. it could do some damage because you figure that uh, the amount of roots that are there are, you know, keeping the tree alive as it is. And depending upon how important this particular, you know, root is, as far as the number, the amount of nutrients and moisture that it uptakes, it could, you know, lead it to a downhill spin. And Bradford pears have a somewhat limited life anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you start fooling around with them that way, that could do some damage. Okay, better left alone. Yes. I guess. Okay. Well, listen, thanks, Mike. I sure appreciate your help. Sure, my pleasure. Have a good one. And now let's head over to Charlie's. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Mike. Uh, first of all, please tell your listeners I have plenty of urine. I'd be happy to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, yeah. I've got some tr- trees. They're all stressed. Uh, uh, river birch, sweet gumball, southern magnolia. Do you think it was the freeze, or is it too dry, or any thoughts? It's a com- It's just the weather in general. So, I mean, there's certain trees... You see them, and they look very healthy. Then you can walk a block away and see some that, you know, are really kind of not looking so good. So this is just, uh, you know, our weather circumstance just being too screwy. The trees were probably healthy, but, you know, for whatever reason, just like people get, let's say, the flu or, you know, get a problem where somebody else won't, and the same thing can happen with the plant material. I see. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks, Charles. And uh, let's go now over to Joe's. Hi, Joe. Yes, I got two questions. Uh, the first one, I have uh, this white. Uh, it's not a powder, but it, it's on the lawn in just a few places. I was wondering what that might might be. It's, it looks like it's a powder, but it's when you you know you can't wipe it off. Right. It's probably a type of fungus. I mean, there's several different kinds of fungus. What kind of lawn do you have? Uh, that would be a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's several different types of lawn. Uh, the, you know, if you can, just if you can get a sample, take it to your favorite garden center and tell them it's, this is a fungus and just see which fungus, fungicide that they'd recommend for it. Okay. And the other... Uh... With this screwy, you know, hot weather and rain every once in a while, right? Uh, the the grass has gone to seed. It hasn't gone. You know, it's grown as tall, but it's got a lot of spikes of of seed. And uh, it, it, I just was wondering how long does it take that seed to be viable to be? You know, hey, should I, uh, you know, wait another day or you know, how many days does it take for the seed to be? Real seed. Well, it's not going to be real seed. You can't harvest that seed and actually make it. You. It sounds like you have that annual bluegrass that the general earlier caller was asking about. So is it, you know, kind of on a clump, and then it's just relatively small as far as the seeds go, maybe two inches at the maximum? Uh, no, it, it's, it's got like these uh, spikes of, of seed. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that's the annual bluegrass, and there's, I mean, that's, you really, if you don't mind it, then that's okay, because what's going to happen is that seed will drop, it'll lay there for multiple months, and then it'll germinate in, as we get into the fall, 
and then it'll grow all the way through the wintertime and then in the springtime. And then once it gets really hot, it'll start disappearing on its own. But during the course of the time when it was alive, it has been dropping seed there, but it's never going to be functional as far as an aesthetic type lawn circumstance. Okay. Okay. I just was wondering whether, you know, like if I waited a week, because it's not, the grass isn't looking, uh, you know, overgrown or, or nothing, but there's a lot of this seed growing. Right. If I waited and, and mowed it then, if that would be seed that would, you know, thicken the lawn. No, not at all. <laughs> and the, I mean, it does thicken it because it's filling in gaps, but uh, it's right. not the classic type lawn that you would, bluegrass or right. fescue or something like that. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And back to the phones we go. Let's go over to Ellis Yard. Hi, Ellis. Hello? Hello. Yes, go ahead. Hey, sorry, Mike. Hey, um, in summer of 2021, we had a tree pop up in the landscaping around our pool. We didn't really think a lot about it. We were looking back at pictures the other day and realized this thing has grown 20 feet in two years. So we researched it, and it appears to be a plain willow. My question is, will that root system, or could that root system cause havoc on any of the plumbing underneath our pool, or should I take it down? I probably won't cause trouble with the plumbing. I'm assuming that you, you know, have pretty good, you know, all the lines and everything are pretty tough and durable, and there's not, you know, the old terracotta pipes and things like that of days of old, they could sort of work their way into the into those type of pipes, but the plastic pipes of today, that generally is just not going to happen. Okay, great. But, I mean, it does, If I don't know how close it is to your pool or anything or whatever, but, uh, I mean, this thing can get big and bigger and bigger, and then it's, you know, potentially can start dropping debris and, you know, small leaves and stuff like that. So just realize that okay. that's going to be the case, and it's going to prevent other things from being able to grow in close proximity. Okay. How big will those get? Well, I mean, it depends upon the individual variety, but the, in Christie Park, which is right across the street from where we live, there's probably one that might be, Oh, 25 feet high and 25 feet wide. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see, where are we going to head now? Let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, I recently and uh, a week ago, and uh, I noticed uh, that there is uh, some fungus uh i identify as rust and i was going to apply some uh dacanil uh fungicide mm-hmm. and i was wondering uh whether i should wait for cooler temperatures or uh, the time of day maybe in the evening rather than the morning uh do you have any advice on that yeah if it's too hot you could do some damage for sure but the labels should also indicate that if, you know, don't apply if the temperature is above this. But, you know, we're going to have cooler temperatures in another couple of days. So I would say definitely don't do it today or tomorrow because we're heading into the upper 80s. And that could, uh, you know, do some damage from that standpoint. Okay. 
And so then you would spray the, uh, you know, there's three plants and only one of them have the rust, but you'd spray all three plants and the underneath of the, of the leaves. Not necessarily, because really, if it's not a preventative type thing, what it is is if there's a problem there, then it you know controls the problem, but it's not something that you can just you know sort of anticipate. Well, this might get it because these other you know the other one has it. You have to wait till you actually start to see it, but you know, watch them kind of closely, and as soon as you start seeing it, make the application early before it gets you know spread around too much. Okay. All right. Thanks. Sure. And now let's go to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, my friend lives out in the country, and she's on her front porch. She has a small concrete planter, and we're assuming it's raccoons that get in there, but she sent me a picture this morning again, and the whole thing is emptied out, the dirt, the the flower, and the whole works. Is there anything she can put on there, or do we just have to get a a cage, I mean, a trap and go that way? Well, you it may be a raccoon, but it also can be squirrels. But uh, you've heard a couple of people calling in about uh, these repellents that are available. And you might have her uh, take a look. Bonide is one of the com- you know one of the companies that sell various repellents. And and uh, the other one, I forget what the, that friend of mine in Soulard he recommended, so, you know, a particular company. But go to tell her to go to Bonide, B-O-N-I-D-E dot com, and see about uh, animal repellents and take a look at using those. All right. Well, I don't think it's a squirrel. I live out in the country too, and I every morning I have to go around and replant a quarter of my plants because they dig them out. But this, the whole dirt, the whole pot is empty. Wow. I couldn't believe it. So, <laughs> Well, that's, a, you know, I don't know what they're actually going after. That's the thing yeah. I can't figure. I yeah, mean, I don't know either. But uh, They must be bored. Okay. So it's Bonide is yeah. what she needs to look at. Yeah, Bonide.com. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Sure. Yeah, that's an unfortunate uh, circumstance. Let's see, Carol. Can you do it real quick? Uh, yes, I have. I, I have two questions. Uh, we're probably not going to be able to get to two. So, well, you, the one is um, I've got a gardenia plant, and I had getting a lot of new leaves. I had it in the house in the winter, but it had white flies, so I sprayed it a couple times. Is that going to be enough? Uh yeah, it should be, but just kind of keep watching it because the white fly can lay eggs in this potting mix that it's growing in, and then that you know they can kind of erupt again from that circumstance. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the KMOX Garden Hotline, and it's a tip of the trial hour. Special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, not just this past week with this particular one, but the tip of the trial goes out to all the mothers out there who spend such a great deal of time with their children and everything else, regardless of how old their kids are and how important the mothers have been 
and are to them. My mother has been gone for several years now, but she was uh, she was fantastic, to be honest with you. And the only thing I didn't necessarily like about her, both my parents were involved in politics. They didn't get elected to offices, but they worked in kind of behind the scenes in the, you know, in the policy, you know, political world. My mother always wanted me to be a politician. And that's the only thing that she sort of like pushed me in a direction. I, I kept saying, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> but anyway, so you can give us a call if you like. Or you can give St. Louis Composting a call uh, at 636-861-3344. St. Louis Composting is bringing you the tip of the trowel. And, uh, but right now, if you have any questions, you can call us at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With ideas, concerns, comments, or whatever about your plant world, whether your plant world is right now inside your house that you're thinking about or you're concerned with or the outdoors. So again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me into your show, onto your show, into whatever. Where discussions range from making a plant selection for a specific location how to care for, talking about what should be done during peak seasons or humdrum times with the annuals, with your spring flowering bulbs, the foliage, how's it looking? Should you be cutting those back yet? Should you be fertilizing them still even though they're past their bloom? How about the summer bulbs, the vegetables, the herbs, the fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, Perennials, you know, all the different things that are in the plant world. It's unbelievable the things that we can grow. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that will take you towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And another very important player is James. He's producing. He does answer the phone at the same time when he's not pushing buttons and everything else. So he's a multi-talented person. Oh, and by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides the Saturday morning get-together that we have, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation, which I call a walk-and-talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And today, after the show, I'm headed to Baldwin. Today's tip of the trowel, as I said before, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It goes out to all the mothers and all the work that they do for their children and for other people as well. So it's just uh, it's a fantastic world. So have a great Mother's Day tomorrow and a whole Mother's Day weekend. So let's get a couple calls in. Let's go to Carol. Hi, Carol. Yes, Mike, I have a question. Um, I thank you for your service. Um, we have a spot in our backyard that you, we had ivy there, but the deer eat the ivy. Um, it gets morning sun, and it's shady in the afternoon, and we were thinking about planting some ornamental grass. Could you suggest something that would work there? Well, the ornamental grass is if you're not having a full-day sun, um, most of them are not really going to work. And if the deer are eating your ivy, they're going to come and eat whatever you put there. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, we've got some ornamental grass, some of that feather reed. Okay. Um, and um, it does, the deer doesn't, don't bother it. Do yeah, because... Does that work in that spot? 
Uh, you can give it a try. It's a, you know, generally it wants to have more sun than what you described. Now, maybe it does have more sun than what I'm perceiving. But, yeah, there are certain things that uh, have kind of a, a rough edge and, the, you know, on the, you know, the blade of the grass or on the plant. Or, there are certain things that deer will not eat for sure. Right. And how big is this area? Um, well, I mean, I, I would probably need like six, six, six plants. Okay. You might also look at something that's going to be evergreen that could work in that situation called Helleborus. Uh-huh. H-E-L-L-E-B-O-R-U-S. Okay. It's an evergreen. It only gets about, uh, oh, maybe 9 to 12 inches tall. Blooms in the early spring. And uh, so that would give you evergreen year-round in that spot. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll look for that. Right, just I, check them out. All right, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hello, Sandy. Sandy. Oh. Well, hello, I'm here. Okay. Um, I missed uh, whatever they said was the website to uh, give to put on your deck when the squirrels are chewing on the wood. Okay, Ta- they gave a website. Yeah, go the, look at uh, one of them that I know of for sure. I forgot what the second one was that a friend of mine from Sular gave us. But uh, if yes. you go to just go to bonide dot com and see what they can you know what they have. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Yep, b o n i d e dot com. Okay, thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's go to, oh, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Good morning. Hi. My wife and I, uh, about two years ago, planted 13 tailored juniper trees. Uh, They were of different heights because we couldn't find 13 of all the same height. So some are uh, eight or nine feet now, and some are six feet. Um, what we noticed this spring was that they had some kind of a fungus. She looked it up, and it was some kind of a cedar rust or yeah. some kind of a... So we uh, pruned all of what we could off of it. Is there some kind of a treatment we can do to make sure that they survive? Yeah, it's... I mean, if it's cedar apple rust, what's... You know, it's yeah. a disease that's transmitted from, like, crab apples, apple trees and things like that to the junipers, and then it sends it back to the apple trees and, you know, infects them. So do you have crab apples or anything like that in your yard? No, and I don't even know if my, I, I can't see, we live in a neighborhood, I don't see any of my neighbors even have any, any of uh, crab apple or uh, apple trees. Yeah, they've, I mean, they have to, that whole, you know, whole group, I mean, there's other ones that are not technically that particular, you know, apple or crab apple that are in that apple family that cause a problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, once, you know, it's going to be a real difficult thing because, I mean, you're going to have to be spraying every year to get it under okay. control. And uh, it's going to be, it's not a real nice thing, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there some kind of particular spray that we can use or just keep pruning? Well, I wouldn't keep pruning. I mean, you could do the spray, but the uh, timing of the spray and everything else, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and check out, okay. you know, they're going to tell you, you know, timing-wise and everything else. And probably, I don't know if they're going to recommend a specific product. Probably not. You're probably going to have to go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got cedar okay. apple rust. Okay. All right. We will try that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
yeah, that's they're really ugly, you know, on the junipers. So yes, we we see that. <laughs> so. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KMOX, the 2023 Large Market Radio Station of the Year. Recognized by the Missouri Broadcasters Association. KMOX, we were built for this. Yes, thanks to the caller that called in to remind me of what uh, Steve, my friend, and Soulard, the the company with this uh, repellent for uh, animals is called Predator P. So Predator P, probably go to PredatorP.com. And uh, check that out, folks. So if you're trying to repel animals, besides the Bonite products, you can try Predator P. So let's go now to Wilson's. Hi, Wilson. Morning. Yes, go ahead. I'm, uh, I got two mature pine trees, and I'm uh, just wondering how to prune them. Just got some big branches that are just growing. I've always been told that you can't cut a pine branch uh, halfway and it'll die. Yeah, you can't. You, if you're going to remove a branch, you've got to really take it all the way back to the trunk or to the next major branch that it's growing from. So, uh, okay. yeah, if you just leave a, you know, let's say even a four or five foot stub, it's not going to ever put out any more needles or anything else. So it's, you know, kind of the best thing to do is do an uppercut, you know, close to the trunk. I always recommend if they're long, uh, you know, cut them off in sections with a final cut, just leaving about a quarter-inch stub. Okay. That's what I needed. All Thank right. you very much. Yep. And there are going to be some, uh, you know, sap flow and everything else. So watch out as far as the time of year that you're going to do that. So. What about right now? Uh, I probably would not do it now because you're going to be opening a wound then we've got potential with, you know, our summertime with the fungus and everything else. I'd probably uh-huh. wait until we get out of summer and go into fall or do it to, in the fall or the winter. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mike. Um, I uh, have a problem with carpenter bees. I don't know if you can 
give me any advice or not. I got a 110-foot or 6-foot privacy fence. Uh, they're not attacking it now because it's only three years old, but the other one was really tore up bad. Uh, so I was wondering if there's anything you could lightly spray on it, you know, or what can I do? They they also attack my shed. Ooh. Yeah, that's uh, probably what I'd do is I would call uh, Scott Mosby in the Home Improvement Show and see what he'd recommend as far as with the carpenter bees. Is that Mosley or Mosby? Mosby, M-O-S-B-Y. Or else you could go ahead and, again, check out the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they recommend. Okay. Because it might be better to go after them, you know, to f- find out where the nest is and go after them at that point. Okay. Yeah. So far we're okay except on the shed because it is a new fence. It's only three years old. Ah. So. So, uh, okay, I'll uh, try. Uh, you think the other two places you mentioned would be any help, uh, Bonide and uh, Predator P? Yeah, Predator P probably wouldn't be because it goes after it repels other animals, not insects. But uh, Bonide has a full gamut of different products, so you might try them for sure. Okay. And that's uh, Mosby Building Arts. Uh, yes. Dot com. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Mike. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for what you do. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in John's yard. Hi, John. Thank you for what you do. Sure. My pleasure. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Uh, thank you for your service, Mike. And I have a weed problem in my yard, and... Uh, I wondered if there an easy way to get rid of these weeds that uh, grow kind of flat across the ground. Uh, You know, it depends. You know, it might be a perennial type weed, but it might be an annual weed. So uh, I would dig up a clump of it, take it to your favorite garden center, have them take a look at it to find out specifically what it is. But if it's an annual weed, then you need to put a pre-emergent down in mid to late August. If it's a perennial weed, then you can do, if it's in a lawn area, then you can just go ahead and spray a broadleaf weed killer on it. All right. I, I will dig one up and take it to the lawn right. place and have them take a look at it. Right. That way you'll know if it's an annual or a perennial weed, and that way you'll know which is the best approach to take as far as getting it under control. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. And now let's go to Don's. Hi, Don. Yes. Thank you for taking my call, Mike. Uh, I would like to know, is it too late to plant, uh, 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 what's that? Uh, that, that, uh, that plant, uh, that grow is above, uh, coat. What's that? Uh, I don't know. my thought, Mike. Um, colon plant. It's a it's a pretty plant. It's a bulb, and you plant it, and it comes back. Yeah, I think it comes back every year. Okay. Uh, uh, it would be a you know generally the summer bloomers or summer growing bulbs don't come back it, every year. You have to dig them up out of the ground. 
So oh, I don't know do? if it's a dahlia or a canna or an elephant canna, ear. Canna, just what it is. Okay. It's a canna. I couldn't think of that name. Yeah, so cannas you have to dig up, you know, because if you leave them in the ground, it gets too cold, you know, in our normal winter, and then they're going to freeze in the ground. So you have to dig them up oh. or put them in okay. a pot and just, but you're still going to have to take them out of the pot. Oh, so I can't wait until the ground gets warm and put them in the ground if then I have to put them in a pot now. No, no, no. The ground is warm enough now to put them in a pot. When, uh, if you heard my walk this morning in front of the civil courts building, there's some cannons that are already growing in some of the pots they have along the street. So I mean, they're yeah. they're visible. But you can go to your favorite garden center, get the can of bulbs, and plant them right now. But put them in pots. Okay. You don't have to. No, you don't have to put them in a pot. You can put them in the ground. Oh, okay. All that right. That was just okay. an option. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Because I got to want to put them on a row of them down the side of a fence. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And so you take them up every year the, be- the best way yeah. to when get the, f- the best results. Yeah, when the frost you know comes, then you just chop the stalk off, dig up the root system, the tuber, and then you know shake the soil off of that. Put them in a paper uh-huh. bag and bring them in and put them in your uh, basement. Oh, okay. You can reuse it then. Oh, I yes, think. very much. Oh. oh, so you don't have to buy new ones every year. No. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, I'll do exactly that. And and I thank you for taking my call sure. so very much. My thank pleasure. you very much. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about powdery mildew. Okay. Um, I bought some uh, sage, and it was it's a purple-green sage. It's got tinges of purple in it. And I had it for, I just bought it a week ago today. And I brought it home, and I set it off to the side. I bought a bunch of little plants, and I started planting things. And just two days ago, I looked at it, and I was like, wow, it's got those spots on the leaves. And I, it, I've seen it before. I've had it on Monarda, and I thought, oh, it looks like it's got powdery mildew. And I didn't even think herbs could get something like that. But what would you suggest to treat it? With? I would, you know, herbs generally don't. So I'm really surprised that this has. So you're saying it's a perennial type sage? You sh- um, no, it's it's called a tender perennial. Okay, so it's a an annual type perennial. Uh, yeah, I would say just leave them alone. Really? Yeah, because okay, all right. Um, if, if, uh, one thing I did read said to um, rinse them off from the top; it'll get a lot, take a lot of the spores off. But they were already kind of wet. But I did it anyway, and I thought, okay, I probably shouldn't water them for a while because sage doesn't like to be real wet, from right. what I know. And the foliage, you know, I mean, the foliage is going to get wet due to the rains anyway. But I'm just, yeah. I'm real surprised that you know you're having this problem. That's all I can think of is that it is. And I bought three one, three in like four-inch pots, and they've all got it. Yeah, I would say maybe take a cutting of it back to Did you get it at a, a year-round garden center? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I would say take a, you know, take a cutting and take it back to them and see what they say. Okay, all right. And it seemed like they suggested putting a little lime in the soil when I planted them. Well, Have that, you heard of that? Yeah, I mean... You can, but it all depends on what your soil pH is. 
Yeah, so I don't know. To, I haven't had it tested. Yeah, so just to think to add Lyme is not necessarily going to be, you know, something that you absolutely need and have to do. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll take it back and have them look at it and say, because it's just been a week. Now, I didn't have it stored where it got great circulation. It was on my basement walkout steps, so I took it out to the yard, and I've got them all spread out. They're getting plenty of air circulation now. Well, great. I'm hoping that'll help. And um, one last question I had. With these moles, I noticed they were in part of my herb garden the other day. I know they're going after worms. So do they disturb the roots of the plants very much when they tunnel through areas? Oh, sure. They can you know, lift them up. And what they do is if they're going underneath, then that creates, a, let's say, a, an area under there that the root system needs to have soil all the way around it for more or less an insulation factor, and that insulation factor is taken away if there's a tunnel there. Okay. All right. Well, they did that the other day. I just cave in the tunnels with my spade and press the ground down as much as I can for now. Right. Until I find another way to get rid of them. So yeah. they're so far they're doing okay. They went around coneflowers and some rosemary. So um, I'm just trying to get them to move on, you know, go somewhere <laughs> uh-huh. else. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmel. Sunday mornings at 10.15 on Sports on a Sunday morning. And Wednesday mornings at 9.50. The Ollie Marmel Show on Cardinals Radio, KMOX. Yes, folks, we got some phone lines open. 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's head over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Hey, so I'm working with some climbing that I have in my front yard, and I, they've had a lot of trouble this year. Normally, they've been very good. I have two separate roses. Uh, they're they're the type of roses that don't typically have a ton of thorns on them. Really pretty pink, uh, pretty pink blooms on them. And this year, they're kind of struggling. I would say they've leafed out to what would be normally like half of the amount of leaves that they have. And the leaves that they're getting are not the typical deep green leaves. They're like more yellowy. And at the end of what would normally be like the stalks that kind of climb on these roses, right? They're kind of turning brown, right? And so my question is, I haven't done much different this year. My question is, like, is this stress from the weather and our, like, hot summer last year that they're dealing with still? Or, or, or should I be looking at something else? I'm concerned because they're, they're, like, I've got them trained up over my uh, doorway. They look beautiful, but they're really struggling this year. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, my guess would have to be that it's related to the weather. It's ups and downs okay. and all arounds, and they were probably forced out when it got warm early. And then, you yeah. know, then we've had some pretty severe cold snaps after that. And then lack of rain. And are you fertilizing them? I did fertilize, and that's what actually made me call, right? Okay. Like, I, I got scared because, like, I got scared because maybe I over-fertilized. But then again, I haven't done anything more than I've done in the past. So okay. I really don't feel like I've changed much there. Um, so, so, yeah. So just make sure that if you're going to fertilize them that you use a rose food because it's going to have some nutrients that regular fertilizers don't necessarily have and see if yeah. you can see, see if you can uh 
see if you can go ahead and just get them fertilized. Okay, that sounds great. We'll do that, and I'll keep on the normal schedule and keep up with watering them then. Thank you so much. Yes. Let's see. The next call would be Eric. Hi, Eric. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Um, I heard you over the last couple of months talk about how the cold snap has really hurt the broadleaf evergreens. Right. If I have a Japanese holly that has no green on it by now, is it safe to cut it down? Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, if And recovery, I don't know if it's going to be able to recover or not. I know. I'm, I'm thinking just dig it up and put something else in its place because it was great last year, and then obviously there's nothing. And it's, here it is, May, and I'm like, well, that's not, not a good sign. Right. So You're absolutely sort, right. You know, just wanted to say, like, when, when is enough patience to, to let it go? And I think now is the time. So. Yeah, if it hasn't shown anything of, let's say, aesthetic value, then, yeah, I agree with you completely. And then on a similar note, so if I had a rose bush that was magnificent last year, but I have a, a bunch of dead leaves, this year, but then some green ones intermixed and a lot of green growth at the bottom. Um, is it safe just to cut those dead ones off at this point because they're they're not going to shoot any green stuff, or should I hold on and wait a little longer? I would is say right? go ahead, and you could go ahead and cut them. Okay. I've got some blooms on the good ones just in this last week, but everything else is pretty dead. Um, and then your uh, final question. So I have, um, I think I always called it a rubber tree, but is it like a ficus? Um that I, I got, and I've got some good growth at the bottom, and then I had some uh, early growth that maybe got like two-foot leaves, or there's growth at the end, but the leaves have dropped off somewhere between there and the base. It just kind of looks odd. Is it possible to uh, cut it back, maybe like leave four or five inches, and then use that root growth, like the bonite root growth, on some of those long parts that I've cut off and then stick them in the plot uh, in the pot to kind of give some new lower growth, or will that not work? That's probably going to be a lot of work, and you're not going to be really happy with the end results. Okay. So, I mean, that's, you know, typically that's how they grow. They are a rubber tree in the tropics, so they, you know, have long extension. Let's say they have branches with only foliage on the, you know, last section of the particular branch. Okay, so, so when it's been dropping leaves this time, it's not necessarily that I did something wrong. No, right. It's just their natural habit. Because you can go oh. to you know some greenhouses and see them, and they, depending upon what size pot that you get them in, they're not going to just have foliage all the way down. They're going to have actually a trunk and some branches and then some foliage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of expected it to maybe be you know in that two to three foot, but it all kind of be uniform. Right. So maybe I just had the wrong expectations for it. Yep. And maybe what it's doing <laughs> is just fine. All right. Uh, I will do some research and see if maybe I could give it some better fertilizer. Could I just give it miracle Grow, and maybe that's good enough, or maybe I should do something different? That should be adequate. All right. Thanks again, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see where. Let's go to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Some information for the fellow that has the carpenter's bees. I had a terrible problem with them, too, and I finally called uh, an exterminator. He put something on there that sealed all the wood, wood because, as you know, they back up in their tunnels, and that took care of the situation, and he wasn't very expensive. All right. Uh, my second uh, piece of information or question is uh, I have dozens of volunteer marigolds. 
every year in my garden and of course weeds also if i put pre-emergence uh on in like august will that re uh, kill the marigolds they won't come up next year no not not necessarily but uh, when oh, okay. are they coming up well like right now the uh, okay. you know they're they're all over my garden coming okay. up about three inches well that's surprising that you have marigolds that self-seed like that i know zinnias do that but, uh, you know, the fact that marigolds are, that's really quite the, you know. These are about a foot tall and just dozens of them come up in my garden every right. year. Uh, so I can, so in August I can put uh, pre-emergence down right. and still expect uh, the marigolds to come back next year. Right, exactly, because awesome. a pre-emergence is going to take care of things that are going to be germinating in August, September, and October. And that's not when these are germinating. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for the information. Sure. I hope that helps the fella with the carpenter's bees. Yes. Well, thanks. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And let's see. Where should we head now? Let's go over to Jay's. Hi, Jay. Hi. Good morning, Mike. I have a question about uh, spraying weed killer uh, on some weeds that are growing in my Lerope beds. If I do that, will that kill the Lerope as well or just the weeds? Now, what kind of – are they broadleaf weeds? Or are they uh, – yes. okay. Yes. So it should – I mean, you, you have to be somewhat cautious even if you're putting, let's say, a broadleaf weed killer because it can have an impact on Lerope because simply it's – I mean, this newer growth has just been coming out for maybe three or four weeks. And so consequently, once it's – you know, give it a try – just try it in a you know small section. See if you like the results of what's happening, and go after it after you know in that situation. Either that, or wait until the rope uh, gets a little bit more mature, and then go after it again. Okay, I will try that then. Thank All you right. very much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hi, Mike. Thanks a lot. Sure. I was wondering if you could answer a question about grilling marijuana. Grilling it? Yes. You mean growing it? Yes, like from a seed. Oh. I mean, it's just like growing anything from seed. Okay. Um, What I'm wondering about is what would be the better method, hydroponic or putting it in soil? I would say using a soil that uh, for starting, you know, seeds. So, in other words, it will be a very specific type of potting mix. I would do that. Okay. Okay. All righty. I appreciate it. I, I, most people call in wanting to get rid of weed. I was thinking maybe uh, doing something different here. Ha, ha, ha. Well, the weeds they're talking about but, is not the weed you're talking about. Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. <laughs> And Cheryl, how are you today? Yes, Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I have two pots that are 22 inches tall and 14 inches in diameter. And I was wondering if it's okay if I fill those pots about halfway with um, uh, used empty plastic, like uh, water bottles or Gatorade bottles, so that they're not as heavy as filling them with um, miracle potting soil. 
And also, can I put uh, a mass cana plant that's in a pot down inside the big pot? Is that okay to do that? You can, but I don't know why you want to do it. But first of all, if you're going to put the plastic bottles to make it so the pots are not so heavy, make sure you get some landscape fabric to lay on top of those plastic bottles so the potting mix or whatever you're you know, going to end up filling the rest of the pot with doesn't just migrate down, and then you're going to end up with just you know, a big hollow area as a result of where you're trying to grow your plants. Okay. Okay. And then um, these are, are mass, they're called mass cane plants. And so uh, we go away to Florida in the winter, so I can't overwinter them. That was why I was thinking about setting the pot down in the middle of the bigger pot so I could get them out easier in the fall. Well, you could, yeah. I mean, you could, so you're going to take them to Florida with you? I don't quite understand. No, no, I just, I can't bring them inside because I won't be here to take care of them, so I'll have to get rid of them. Oh, I see. So, well, you could, I mean, you could do that. I would just, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance. Right. But, uh, that, yeah, right. go ahead. All right, so I can take the pot that they're in and set it inside the bigger pot, and it would be okay. Right. All right. Thank you, Mike, very much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go and see what's going on in Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hey, Mike. Uh, I built a house on seven acres uh, about 15 years ago. And in the meantime, I planted a bunch of pines, white pines, scotch pines, whatever I could get. And obviously, they're doing really well. And I planted them about nine foot apart as far as the, I would call them, the scotch pine kind. I don't exactly know what I have. but And they're getting quite big and close to each other now. Should I just leave those alone or should I cut one down? Well, if you leave, if you let them grow into each other, then you're going to end up with, you know, half of each one of them that's, you know, that's growing into each other will lose all its needles because it's not going to get any sunlight. Gotcha. So that's, gotcha. you know, that's where the problem is. So in the future, uh, if you ever do this again, plant them in a zigzag, and that would help a little bit. But still, that's pretty close for any kind of pine trees that you're talking about because they get uh, yeah. much wider than nine feet because right. each one is, a, you're talking about four and a half feet for each one. And that's something. Right. That's, yeah, sure. I think I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have anything that uh, kills clover that's kind of environmentally friendly? Uh, there's not too much. Maybe a goat yeah. or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And one more question about a pine. I've got a couple pines that are weird. They're kind of like they get growth on the ends, but they're kind of bare going back towards the trunk. What? They're kind of ugly. Yeah, that well, some. I mean, that's kind of the natural habit. If you look at a pine forest, and you go and stand underneath a you know a big tree, you're just going to see yeah. naked branches until it gets to a certain point at the end. Oh, okay. So that's All right. you know that's a natural growth. Okay. All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. Sure. And Robert, can you do it quickly? I've got a uh, boxwood that's got poison oak that's growing all through it, and I was wondering if there's something I can put on that to kill the poison oak without pulling the rest of the shrub, 
or what's the best way to take care of it? Yeah, that's a. I mean, if you got you know any kind of vine or anything growing in a you know boxwood, can you find out where the root system's coming up into the boxwood? Uh, I haven't really looked that close. I was trying to stay away from it, but uh, yeah, I guess that would be the best thing to do. Right, and then just cut it off right. You know, leave about two inches. Cut it off. And then, you know, take some Roundup for killing woody plants and paint it right on that, you know, where you made the cut right after you make the cut. And then then slowly but surely you're going to have to get the, the other stuff out of the boxwood. But uh, you got to go after it, you know, where it's coming up out of the ground. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. Great. Good luck. All right. All right thanks. Bye. Yep. And uh, that's going to be about it for the day, folks. So thanks to everybody for calling in. Have a great Mother's Day tomorrow, and uh, just enjoy life. Enjoy the sun. Yes. And say hi to your mother. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 